All right, we have a podcast for our DBs that are obsessed with legal culture and all things Supreme Court. Could civil rights be in danger because of a case about hotel websites? This is the Supreme Court we're talking about, so you bet. The court is back in session, and when the justices get messier than anything Andy Cohen has to contend with, Crooked Media's podcast, Strict Scrutiny, is just what we need to make this term a little less scary. So, this podcast is hosted by three badass constitutional law professors, and each week on Strict Scrutiny, basically the destiny's child of constitutional law, Melissa Murray, Leah Littman, and Kate Shaw unpack what's on the docket for this term and help you keep up with the slew of legal news headed our way. And you can listen to new episodes of Strict Scrutiny wherever you get your podcasts. I'm excited for this one. I mean, yeah, if you're a lawyer or a law student or you're just here for the messy legal drama, let's go, Strict Scrutiny. (laughs) Well, it happened. What? I had a homosexual over to my apartment. Oh, good for you. Your first homosexual experience. I'm so happy for you. It's like a sneaky link, you know, a little sneaky link. And he walked into my apartment (laughs) and he looked at my black apartment. Oh, gosh. With my brand new Marie Laveau painting that looks possessed. Yeah. My Henry the Ghost. And he looks around and goes, oh, wow. Oh, wow. In a good way? Wow. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's dark. (laughs) He's like, it's really dark in here. And I was like, I know. I'm from New Orleans. I like. He's like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, I can see that. Wow. I was like, you good, bro? And he's like, it's just very dark. <laughs> You're like, you you should take a look at my soul. <laughs> <that's> just... <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to I Think Not, the podcast where me, Ellen Marsh, and Joey Taranto recap all of your favorite true crime TV shows and also tell you about the darkness within our souls. Yeah, my house is very dark, y'all. It's painted black for those who have not been paying attention. This is no Ikea I live in. I can tell you that. You did the ceiling too, right? Oh, yeah. Was the ceiling... It is... It's black walls, Mm -hmm. black ceiling. And then like a high gloss trim. Right. But I forget what you put in your kitchen. Your kitchen is still white. All white. But I had nothing to do with that. What about when you have to like move out? That's not my problem. I think you have to paint it back. They can paint it back. You know in New York that they're supposed to paint your walls every two years? Okay. And they never have. So I'll be like, well, there's your two years. 45 years later. (laughs) Y'all can, is what you'll need. 45 years worth of paint jobs to fix this. They're going to be wheeling Joey out of that apartment. You have a great apartment. Love it. I remember when you moved in. Yeah. During Kinky Boots. I remember, you remember? And I remember when I broke my foot and you came and sat with me and you brought me Trader Joe's. You were very sweet to me. I love you. I love you too. But we are here. Look at us. It's the new year. We don't. I don't. I don't know what day it is. Don't ask. But we're so happy you're here. Yeah, we are. And we are bringing you Snapped. We're continuing on with Snapped for a little bit. And our next episode is going to be a very, very big surprise. We're really excited. Yeah, it is. But if you would like more of Joey and I, you can hop on over to the Patreon. I got to be honest. We're having a freaking blast on the Patreon. We are. I love, we have a couple of tiers. We have the Hallelujah, What's a To You tier. We just did a mega swamp talk with all of our podcasting friends, and it was so much fun. We all had, like, 
deadlines, I could have talked with everyone for like two more hours. Oh, same. For those of you who don't know what Swamp Talk is, it's basically where Ellen and I sit in front of each other and we talk about whatever we want and then we trauma dump. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we call our listeners and they're like, hello? Oh, it's amazing. We do random cold calls and we just have a lot of fun. That's on our top tier, but we also give you four bonus episodes a month. We give you whatever series we are covering and we have covered them all. We still have so many to go through. We take all of your suggestions, we put it in our notes app and we go through them all. We have hit I Almost Got Away With It, Pink Collar Crimes. We have hit Southern Fried Homicide. We have done See No Evil, everything. And then we have an ad-free tier. We have a close friend circle. It's all there. Take a look if you're interested. And if you're not, that's fine too. But are you mad at this? I think we ought to do frogging on the Patreon. Like the rest of the frogging? Yes. I agree. There are people who are going, no, please don't. But anything else to report, my love? Just still gay. Okay. We should just do a check-in and just- Yeah, see what happens if I'm still choosing to be gay. Should we tell them about the thing that we're going to do? Or should we tell them after we do it? Tell them now. Joey and I are going to go on a mushroom retreat. Yeah, we are. We're going to do psychedelics. Uh-huh. And we'll tell you all about it. And we're or gonna maybe purge. we won't. We're going to purge all of our trauma. <laughs> Literally just scream in each other's faces. For, I am, I mean, I'm excited. I am really, really excited. So we'll probably talk about that on Swap Talk. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure it'll be an entire episode. <laughs> and a half. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, actually, can you guys stop talking about it now? <laughs> anyway, should we get to the episode? Yes, we should. Okay, so we had a little mistake, if you'll recall. Season 25, episode one, Pandora Zan. Who's Pandora Zan? Yeah, so my love, my sweetheart, my angel, love of my actual life, went to 2525 instead of 251. It was listed at the top. You're absolutely right. I I genuinely understand your confusion. So I didn't want him to waste his note session on that. So we are doing 2525. That's right. And the episode is entitled Georgia Watson. She always had a soft spot for the less fortunate. She opened her home to the homeless. She always wanted to take care of other people and be part of her community. Bigger heart than anybody I've ever known. But early one morning, her once quiet community finds itself in terror. There's a bunch of gunshots. I think there's someone in there. The neighborhood, of course, was going crazy. We have a shooter on the loose. It's a pretty scary situation. Investigators will stop at nothing to catch the killer. But are they prepared for what they'll ultimately find? Law enforcement are trying to connect all the dots. She wrote down a license plate number on this vehicle. He woke up to cops beating on his door. Who is this guy? What's going on? He didn't do this, did you? I was just really totally shocked. There's just no way. The only thing I could think of was, he got to be kidding me. Joey, I'm so excited for our next sponsor. Who is it? Okay, if you've been on live with me, you'll know at a moment's notice, I'll just scream Skims and flash part of my Grand Tetons because Skims has kind of changed my life. I don't mean to be dramatic. I do have a flair for the dramatic, but here's the thing. When you have big Grand Tetons like me, bras can be the first thing you focus on taking off the minute you walk in the door. I think 
Skims has changed that. I have the Fits Everyone t-shirt bra, the Fits Everyone plunge bra, the no-show unlined bralette. I never thought I would wear a bralette, but here I am. And not only is Skims creating the next generation of underwear and bras for everybody, they're taking care of these Grand Tetons. Yeah, they are. Not only taking care of your Grand Tetons, they're taking care of my sister Jessica's Grand Tetons. I got her the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra and the Weightless Scoop bra for Christmas, and she has sung their praises. My sister also has, she has been gifted in the bra area, um, and she's just like, I can't get over the support and the comfort, which is the perfect one-two punch. Now, also, on the other end, I have their knit unisex robe. It is literally one of the most comfortable robes I have ever worn in my life. It is so warm and long. I'm six foot and it touches, almost touches the floor. We get it. You're a tall king. The things I love about Skims is they come in every shade you could possibly imagine. They give the best shape and support. But here's the thing. They know everybody's Grand Tetons are different. They're available in 62 sizes, all the way from a 30A to a 46H. I love that for all of the Teton-having people. So, believe the hype. Skims has over a 100,000 five-star reviews for a reason. Skims bras are now available at skims.com. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Take care of your Grand Tetons. We love them. Yeah, we do. It is February 19th, 2009, and we are in Greeley, Colorado. Great year for music. 2009. Do you know what the number one song was? I want to take a guess because I don't know it, but okay. I'm going to guess that it is Black Eyed Peas' I Got a Feeling. It, it's Black Eyed Peas, but it's Boom Boom Pow. Wow. Okay. I mean, that was the era. But number two was what I thought would have been number one. Let me guess. For 2009. 2009. And the only reason I thought this is because Lola was was born in 2009, and I know this song was so popular. I don't know what it is. Because I used to sing la 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 Lola Grace la la Lola Grace. Because <laughs> <laughs> so it was cute. I thought that would have been number one. Anyway, carry on with the Colorado. All right, 2009. We are in Greeley, Colorado, and we are. Do you know who of our friends? I'm not going to ever get through any of this. <laughs> Do you know Go which ahead. one of our dear friends went to college in Greeley? Because Greeley is known as being like a really well-known college town. No, I don't. Andy Kelso? Oh. I wonder if he knows about this. Y'all, I wish y'all could meet Andy Kelso. He is just the sweetest, dreamiest, loveliest, so talented. So talented. He was Charlie in Kinky Boots with us for a very, very long time. Anyway, go ahead. I'll let you talk now. Okay. And so (laughs) that's been coming for a while. And we're told that Greeley is a quiet and conservative city, and it has a small town feel to it. And we meet a resident of Greeley named Randy. Who really wants to impart to us just what gives it that small town feeling? And it's not people saying hello to each other on the street. It's not Mr. Morgan sitting on his front porch handing out lemonade to strangers. No, Randy gives us this example. It's still got the small town feel when a funeral procession goes by. People pull over and take off their hats and respect things you don't see in a big city. All right, Randy, I see where you're going with that. It's a little early to be all morbid. I'm sure people are listening to this at 6 a.m., but all right. So it's 5.22 a.m. in the morning, and 911 gets this call. 911, what's your emergency? There's a bunch of gunshots outside, and I looked at the truck outside. It's still like got his lights on. 
pen is like four holes or something. In your truck or truck across the across street? Across the street. So the Greeley police are there in minutes. So <laughs> Detective Duffnot is the officer that arrives at the scene and he discovers an adult male that looks like he was trying to get into his truck, but he's actually hunched over the steering wheel with the key and the ignition. Now he has been shot, but he is alive yeah. and he is breathing. Then the local reporter, Sharon, her name really is Sharon, she tells us that this does happen here. Who wants to tell Sharon? I mean, how many times do we have to hear? I get it. I get the sentiment, but crime happens everywhere. Everywhere. And also like, it doesn't really happen a lot. In Portland, Maine, I gotta tell ya. Really? Uh, yeah, I just heard that there was uh, someone else with my name, which is shocking. Oh, there's some... Is, I, it, my name's a family name. Oh. Sharon. <laughs> Not Bag of Bones? Yeah, Bag of Bones is my family's name on my father's side. It was interpreted. It originally was Bag of Bonesies. <laughs> and uh, my great uncle Josephus, that, that sounded a little, uh, pardon the word, blue eyes, a little gay. <laughs> so he changed it just to the Bag of Bones and, uh- and dropped the Bonesies. Her family name. Well, I, I could see why that would be a problem. I just didn't know there were other Sharons. Okay, yeah, there are other Sharons. Do you like her as much as me, Blue Eyes? Do I like herds as much as you? You heard me. Did you say that there's no crime in Portland, Maine? None that I've heard of. I mean, I don't I know. I mean, me and a drop board is a fracking crime. I think those cargo pants are a crime, Sharon. All right, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm literally wearing cargo jeans right now. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even. Oh, right. I didn't even. I'm just kidding. I'm not doing it. We're not doing it. We had shell casings in the middle of the street coming from a high-powered rifle, 25 to 30 gunshots, both in the truck, in the deceased. It looked like a war zone. It, It really did. So obviously they rush this poor man to the hospital. And then the first thing they need to do is identify the victim. So they ask neighbors and they confirm that the victim was 44-year-old Jeffrey Watson. He was obviously on his way to work. He was just getting in his car like everybody does every day. And now... Greeley is like, um, there is a maniac with a gun in this town, and everyone is terrified. Understandably. So we get a little background on Jeffrey Watson Sr. He grew up in rural upstate New York, and he referred to himself as a New York hillbilly, according to his friend Kimberly. Well, it's funny because everyone thinks of New York as like Times Square, Broadway, New York City, but New York is Number one, vast. Mm -hmm. And there are beautiful places in New York, like the mountains, the hiking, the waterfalls. There's like Babylon Brooks. Like it is beautiful. But pretty much all of upstate is everything in New York except for New York and like Westchester. Everything else is upstate. Yeah. Like because New York is huge, not like Texas or California huge. And it is cold as Fuck. Very cold. And very green. And very green. Like, here, if we get, like, two inches of snow, the city shuts down. Yeah. And people in Syracuse are like, oh, my God, that's so cute. Yeah. Are y'all all right? But I do want to say... For those of you who do live upstate, you will know these are actual true facts. If you live in upstate New York, uh-huh. fact, you have been to a minimum of two Dave Matthews concerts. <laughs> you might have a boat. Mm-hmm. You definitely know somebody who has a boat. Uh-huh. And depending on how north you are, 
You know what a garbage plate is. I don't know what a garbage plate is. All right, upstate DBs sound off. So you've never had a garbage plate? I don't know what a garbage plate is. It's up for interpretation, but it's like French fries, usually mac and cheese or some kind of macaroni variety, baked beans, and then like meat on top. It's like a New York upstate staple. I it's- mean, I could see why that would be appealing to some people, but not that does not sound... I mean, I don't like mac and cheese. I don't like beans. It could be macaroni salad if you wanted it to. I don't like that either. Anyone ever have a garbage plate? Ugh. It's you have. I, mean, I it's dated like, a few garbage plates. Does yeah. that count? If you got to know him, which was kind of hard to do, he was a good man. He had a heart as big as Texas. The friends of Jeffrey Watson tell us, you know, he didn't let everybody in, but he was a sweetheart. And you know what? I'm okay with that. You don't need to give everybody your time, space, and energy. We have learned that the hard way. (laughs) Not everyone deserves your time, space, and energy. Sure. And he joined the military right out of high school, married very quickly, divorced very quickly, and he has a son named Jeff Jr. who lived with him. And he raised his son on his own. It was just the two of them. He moved to Greeley for a work opportunity. He worked in an oil rig. They said... He loved motorcycles, and he loved working on them. I know we have said this before, but what are you all doing with, like, your cars and motorcycles? Like, if they're not broken, like, are you just, like, are you just tightening valves? Are you tinkering? Like, Yeah, I think it's assembling, disassembling. I think it's it's something that, like, it's like, uh, I would imagine it's like painting. You're creating something, you know, and you're like, What are they making? Are they making them louder? Like, are they making them? No, they're, you know, they're fixing them up. What the what the gibbets? Yeah, the the flipperty gibbets. You take the dingle hopper. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I listen. I would love to drive a motorcycle. I am terrified of it because I will never forget what Jen Perry said to me. Yeah. Never. And Jen Perry was somebody who was in Kinky Boots with us and she's like, I worked in an ER yeah. and no person who ever was the victim of a motorcycle accident came in alive. Yeah. That was enough to scare I remember her saying that, the yeah. fucking shit out of me. I dated a guy who rode a motorcycle and it was pretty fucking hot. Yeah. But I just figured I'd take guitar lessons. Yeah. <laughs> So he was a single dad looking for a little romance when a woman by the name of Georgia Sue came into his life. And do you know what she loved? Karaoke. They met in the bar because she'd go there for uh, sing karaoke. And she loved doing that. I have a question for you. Go. What is the song that you hear at karaoke that makes you want to jump out of your skin? Oh, I, you have you have one in mind. I don't know. What What is yours? Sweet Caroline. Oh. It makes me Bonkers. But like, what about when it comes on at a bar and everyone does the ba ba ba? Are you just like, I see white people. <laughs> white people lose their fucking mind at Sweet Caroline. But I do love Build You Up Buttercup. Yeah, I love that song. Do you know there is scientific evidence that when people sing together, it bonds people? I'm not kidding. There is a study that said people can become closer just after two hours of singing. I believe it. You know what song brings people together? Always. You know what it is. Your song. That Don't Stop Believing brings people together. Yeah. And then you end up drunk in the bathroom and you like see a girl and like you share lip gloss and a tampon. And you're like, I can't I tell you something. <laughs> you, I, honestly, it is not because I'm drunk. You are my best friend. I love you. So, I know I just met you tonight, but you're so pretty. And I just say, I feel this connection to you, Sabrina, Sarah, Sarah. <laughs> Do you want to go sing Hey Mickey? You like Hey Mickey? When you sang Leona Lewis's Bleeding Love, <laughs> it's the best rendition I've ever heard. I don't think I, I was 
from my heart. I love you so much. I love you. I Can you remember? Yeah. Can you just hold my hair for two seconds? Just that. Of what we're best. And also, remember you were talking about your boyfriend? Yeah. You need to dump him. Oh, yeah, I get it. Dump him. Oh, yeah, I get it. You're going to dump him. <laughs> Nothing. How many girls have you drunkenly told, said dump them to in a bathroom? 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> you are, he's not worth it. Dump him. He, he's not worth it. Women who get drunk and become best friends are the funniest. I've done it my whole life. Oh my God. It's like the two women in Bridesmaids. Can I get a glass of alcohol? <laughs> two sevens and sevens. You'll like it. It's sweet. <laughs> Georgia never met a karaoke bar she didn't love. She's just beautiful. Dark hair, big blue eyes, most crystal clear blue eyes you've ever seen. Once Jeff asked Georgia out and the couple started dating, the attraction grew even deeper. And we see this picture. Did you see what dress Georgia was wearing in the picture? I did not. The floral gunny sack dress. Uh, what's a gunny sack? The Jessica McClintock. You know what they are. They're like the really floral. Yes. What are those panels? Those pilgrim yep. panels from the 80s. You know what I'm talking about? The white. They were the gunny sack. They were a Jessica McClintock gunny sack dresses. And they actually started in San Francisco. And they're meant to look like fancy burlap bags. That's the truth. They literally look like fancy pilgrim dresses. That's what they are. What's her name? Jessica McGinnis? Jessica McClintock. I love that you keep saying McClintock. Like, I'm supposed to know who this is. My name is Jessica McClintock. How do you not know what? I can't believe, like, your sister didn't have a Jessica McClintock They all dress. did. Am I, are you kidding me? From 1983 to 1989, my sister and my mother were dressed like matching pilgrims. Yeah. Two pairs of pilgrims and florals. Yeah, peak 80s. Everyone had it. Anyway, everyone says Georgia was very outgoing, really fun to be around, and Georgia fell really hard for Jeffrey. In fact, she was like, that is the love of my life. And Jeffrey was in love with Georgia so much so that these two got married in 2002 and things were great. And they bonded really quickly. They were both single parents, which it's really actually very easy to bond with someone when you are a single parent. And I just want to say a quick shout out to all the single moms and dads and caregivers. Yeah. You were doing the job of 24 people. I see you. I am you. I love you. I see you. I You work so hard. You're very sweet. It's true. Uh, it's hilarious to me when people are like, what do you do in your free time? I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm in my free time. I do this hilarious thing called sleep. I mean, I do feel bad because I sometimes complain to you and I feel bad complaining because you are the busiest person on the planet. Well, I'm just saying all my single people, guardians, I love you today. Yes. Joey, how you feeling? I'm feeling all right. How are you feeling? I'm good. Well, it's 2024 and better help is back. I feel like every time of the year is the perfect time of the year to start therapy, whether it's coming out of the holidays, being in a seasonal slump, or just wanting to talk about stuff. There is never a wrong time to start therapy. It's true. You all have heard me be very candid about my last six months experiencing depression and heartache, anxiety. Thank goodness for therapy because therapy is what has really helped me to understand my feelings, process them, and get on the other side of these experiences. So here's the thing. If you have been thinking of starting therapy, I'm not saying make it a resolution. I don't really believe in resolutions, but I don't think you ever really need a time to start taking better care of yourself. So give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suit your schedule, and 
And if you don't like your licensed therapist, you can always change. It's kind of just a win-win situation. So celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash ThinkNotToday to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ThinkNot. Happy New Year's, DBs, and go take care of yourself. And call your therapist, call him today. So after a few years of marital bliss, things went a little awry, y'all. Things got rough. They struggled and eventually they got divorced. And Randy is back. Don't worry. (laughs) Mr. Greeley, uh, representative himself. And he's back with more of that beautiful silver line and talk. And we've moved on from funeral processions to Randy telling us that Georgia was super manipulative. Once she got what she wanted from you, she'd walk on you. He kind of sat there in silence until he couldn't stand it anymore. And he got up, left, and said, take what you want. I just want you out of my life. And that was it. Wow, that took a very sharp turn. Because everyone else was singing her praises. She's got beautiful eyes. You could swim in those eyes. She's a lovely person. Great caretaker. Great mother. And he's like, Randy's like, she's a cunt. Yeah, he's like, let me tell you about this bitch. (laughs) Well, they were separated in 2005, but the divorce wasn't finalized until August 2006, which... I don't understand why that shit takes so long. Just fucking sign the paper and let's Truly. go. And they parted ways. And they didn't have kids. They didn't have, they had their own kids, but they didn't have kids together. So they just kind of like went on with their lives. Well, Jeff was apparently really, according to Randy, silver lining Randy. Yeah. Jeff was really sick of Georgia's shit. Yeah. So much so that he was like, I don't care what it takes. Take what you want out of this house and leave. Yeah. I do not want to be with you. And then eventually... Jeff and his son found their own place. Yeah, and him and his son were thick as thieves. They got along. They had a great relationship. And they lived really just like nicely together. They were pals. So now we're back to the night in question, February 19th. And sadly, y'all, Jeff succumbed to his injuries and he did pass. And the next day, the detectives are investigating the situation and they have no idea, none, why someone would want to do this to Jeff. And everyone, of course, in Greeley is in a state of shock because it doesn't happen here. So they go to the crime scene. And when you see this door of oh his car, it is sprayed with bullet holes. It's really disturbing. Well, they determined that 29 rounds were fired into that truck and most of them hit Jeff. Yeah. That is horrible. That is rage. Yeah. That is... Excessive. Excessive. We're not sure what we have. We don't know if it's a professional hit or if it's drug debt, if it's an active shooter. Could this person be going to somebody else's house and shooting them? Is there a list of people that that they want to kill? So now they need to piece everything together. They do find a handgun in the car. It's Colorado. Exactly. And they're like, why does he have a handgun? I was like, snakes? It's Colorado. I don't know. So now the police have to break the news to Jeffrey's 20-year-old son, Jr. But not just that. They treat Jr. like a suspect and bring him in for questioning. Now, I understand. But, like, I cannot imagine finding out that your father has passed in such a violent manner. And then the police, he was just waking up when they knocked on his door. Which they found really suspicious. They were like, hi, knock, knock, knock. And he's like, oh, I just woke up. Not only did they come with bad news, obviously the worst news, but they were like, I'm sorry, how did 29, 30 shots not wake you up? They find that highly suspicious because the whole town woke up. Everybody woke up. He's like, how did you sleep through that? That's us. Let's go. I mean, people fall asleep with their TV on. My mother will keep 
turn her classic movies on blaring all hours of the night. She doesn't hear shit. I'm deaf in one ear. My my house alarm went off when Lola left for school one day. I didn't hear it. Wow. Yeah, I was I was sheets to the wind. So you know, uh, I mumble under my breath sometimes when I don't want you to hear things I'm saying. What'd you say? Mm-hmm. I had more than one bite of that lasagna you offered me earlier. What'd you say? I hate it when you try to shove food down my throat. What? I want to choose it myself, so I wait till you turn your back. And What'd you I, say about my back? I didn't say anything about your back. <laughs> and I go over there with a fork and I feed myself so you don't know. I can't hear you. But I know you can and I love it. <laughs> Detectives bring Jeff's son back to the station for a formal statement. Interviewing JR, we started from the beginning, what his relationship was with his dad, if he knew anybody who would want to hurt him. He said he was a hardworking guy, that they were very close. Dad had worked at the same place for numerous years. Said he really didn't have any disputes with anyone that he knew of. So now they're interviewing JR, and he was like, what is your relationship like? And he's like, we're close. He's my dad. Who would want to hurt him? And they said that, like, he was like, my dad was a hardworking guy. He didn't have enemies. He didn't really socialize that much. He kind of kept to himself. He was just a friendly, small-town guy. Then he has to call his friend Nathan to pick him up from the police station. I was like, you guys couldn't give him a ride back to his fucking house? And then they're like, what's your name? Yeah, why don't you come in here? And they question his friend. This investigator, I was like, you need to calm down. Let this man process. I understand they have to get as much information as possible very quickly. But even Nathaniel was like, I could only see JR. I couldn't speak to him and I could see him and he was distraught. And so, you know, they're asking Nathaniel, is there any reason why JR would want to kill his father? And Nathaniel was like, not having that at all. He, like, hated that they were implicating his best friend. Nathan's a down bitch, for oh, sure. Absolutely. He is such a down bitch. But the police were not convinced of JR's innocence, so they started looking into him. They also searched the home that Jeffrey and son JR shared, and that finally led to them ruling JR out as a suspect. But Nathaniel was like, honestly, fuck Detective Duff. He's a dick. Yeah, he was like, I, yeah, he was so upset. He's like, I think not, motherfuckers. They're mm-hmm. like, turns out he did sleep through those gunshots. Like, literally. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, all that and the trauma I'm sure you inflicted on this boy only to find out he wasn't involved. So now the police began canvassing the neighborhood. Yeah, because everyone heard the gunshots. They were terrified and everyone is very eager to help. So they did hear a couple people say, you know, there's been like a weird gold car around lately. It was like a Lincoln or a Con- like an old car. No one recognized it, but it had been around the neighborhood a lot and nobody kind of knew who. I would never fucking notice if a weird car was in my town. I would not either, but so many people, like my mom notices everything. Yeah, oh, my neighbor was like, what did you put on your porch yesterday? I was like, I don't know, Sandy. I don't know what I just had for breakfast this morning. Well, you know what's crazy is I feel weird walking around your neighborhood from the train station because I I think people are like, why is that person in that oversized coat with a backpack like walking? You know what I mean? Yeah. People watch you. Yeah. I, I Not me, but other people do for sure. <laughs> and they canvass for like 12 hours and they don't have any answers other than this car that sort of doesn't belong here. So they're like, I mean, I guess let's find out who owns that weird gold car. We began pulling surveillance tapes from local gas stations. Uh, About a block away, there's a huge Walmart that almost faces the house where the homicide happened. We end up going to Walmart, pulling the surveillance tape, the outside tapes, to see if there's anything in the parking lot, what we can see on the streets surrounding where the homicide had happened. And that's 
where they see the gold vehicle. Possibly a Cadillac? Yeah. And it's zooming. It is going really fast, blowing through stop signs. And they're like, well, at the very least, we have him for speeding and going through stop signs. And this video is grainy as fuck. So they can't see the license plate. So the police began looking into motor vehicle registrations for gold-colored Lincolns and Cadillacs. That's when an investigator tells them of a situation that happened in Jeffrey's neighborhood about a week prior. A daughter of one of the neighbors was visiting her mother when she saw a van that looked out of place. She was not having it. (laughs) This down bitch was like, why is that van there? Why are you here? What's happening? Two guys in the front? Yeah, that, why are you just idling here? Just just here in a van? I don't like the look of it. Is this a murder van? I can smell your attitudes. Uh, Do I have a pen on me? They stink. Yeah, I can, I can, you know what? I'm going to write this license plate number down. What? That would never cross my mind, and everything crosses my mind at all times. I would never think to write it down. Because we are New Yorkers, and we are trained to mind our own business. Do you think that's it? Absolutely. She wrote the license plate down. This down bitch was like, uh, something feels weird. They look weird. They look like they smell of beef and cheese. Yeah. I'm going to write this shit down. Yeah, no, I mean, thank God she did. And so the neighbor's daughter gave that license plate number to police where they ran it, and it's registered to a one Mr. Justin Bruner. And they start digging into Justin, y'all. So police took that information and ran with it. Who were his associates? Who had he been contacted with in the past? Based on that, we were able to find out that we had an incident at Lindgrove Cemetery in town where an officer got involved. Justin Bruner was contacted with another person named Cecil Herb. Such a drag name. Yeah, yeah, that is. Uh, This is my friend Peaches and Herb, and I am Cecil Herb. (laughs) They weren't arrested. They were just, like, being weird in a cemetery. Well, yeah, they were practicing their new act. They're as Cecil and Herb. Hit it. Shake your birthday, shake your birthday, yeah, yeah. Fuck yourself. Funky sounds. <laughs> Fuck your sounds. <laughs> Which is what Cecil Herb said to the police when they pulled up with sirens. Basically. Fuck your sounds. <laughs> no, they were fucking around in a cemetery, probably smoking weed. Who knows? But they weren't arrested. But the police knew who these two men were. They knew who Justin was. They knew who Cecil was. Well, Cecil had a little bit more of a rap sheet than Justin did because Cecil had attempted to blow up the post office. Yes, you heard that right. Yep. The man walked into the post office, threatened to blow it up. Then he walked out and sat on the curb and waited for the police department. Cecil claims he wanted to go to federal prison to get back into shape, which is crazy. Sir, (laughs) sir, (laughs) hello, I am a vain homosexual, and I know a lot of things about getting into shape, getting out of shape, and getting in shape, whatever makes you happy, okay? We are body inclusive, whatever makes you happy. But if you decide that you want to achieve a certain goal, there is Barry's Boot Camp, there's CrossFit, there's Pilates and yoga, there's long distance running. You don't (laughs) need federal prison to get into shape. Can I interest you in a Planet Fitness? They have a great special running for the new year. It's like $20 for the month. I don't understand this logic. Holy Ghost, can you explain? Joey's meat's been a while. It has been a while, Holy Ghost. How was your Christmas yelling? Oh, I'm just kidding. It was rhetorical. (laughs) I saw everything. I know what you did under the mistletoe. Oh, you little 
Slut. Anyway, I don't slut shame, Ellen. There's some things that even I can't explain, like the last season of Game of Thrones. It's a heavenly mystery. All right, well, thanks for nothing, Holy Ghost. That was so... I've got to go back to federal prison so I can get into shape. He was like, hey, guys, do you guys know how much gym memberships are going for? It's way easier to go to prison. Oh, my God, this man is a few French fries short of a Happy Meal. Yeah. So, basically, they're pretty sure those were the two guys in the van, but what about that gold Lincoln or Cadillac. So they got to find these two broskies. And the next morning they set out to do that. Well, it's the day after Jeff's murder. And they were on it the next day. Police go to a house where Cecil Herb had lived or listed as an address. We knock on the door. We're expecting, you know, Cecil to answer the door. A lady answers the door, which is kind of shocking. She's an older woman. Guess who answers... The door. Georgia. It's fucking Georgia. Jeff's ex-wife. And the police are like, They were like, uh, hey, this is super weird, but I guess come with us? Yeah, they were like, they asked her, will you come down and make a statement? And she was like, sure, I'll come down. And they tell her, they're like, you're not under arrest or anything. We just, we, you know, we have some questions. And so we see the interrogation tape and they say you're not under arrest. And she goes, oh, okay. Sure, she was done for. And then you just hear her go, oh, okay. (laughs) And they're like, do you know Cecil? And she's like, yeah, that's my boyfriend. So Georgia met Cecil three years before she divorced Jeffrey. And Cecil was experiencing homelessness at the time. And both Georgia and Jeffrey agreed to let Cecil come live with them. And all of her friends are like, that's actually not out of the ordinary for Georgia. She had a big heart. She was always looking out for those less fortunate. Her mom had substance use disorder. She grew up without a lot of money. And so she always made it a point to, like, give back to others. All of her friends are like, yeah, hubbub, hubbub. Georgia's lovely. Georgia's lovely. Well, also, Jeffrey was like, yeah, man, I'm going to help you get some work. I'm going to help you get some work and get you back on your feet. And we'll take it from there. And after the divorce, Cecil stayed in Georgia's house, which turned into a romantic relationship. He stayed in her house and in her vagine. I was like, well, this sounds fishy. So the police asked Georgia, where is Cecil now? And she says, I don't know. He got a new job and left. Within a week? Yeah. Okay. And where's she at? California for an onshore or offshore whale. According to Georgia, he didn't go alone either. (laughs) And she's like, ugh, I don't know his name. What's his name? I call him Bonehead. They're like, Justin? No, she's not being rude. She's like, no, that's his nickname, Bonehead. (laughs) She's referring to the owner of that van, Justin. Imagine being like, hey, I'm Justin, but you can just call me Bonehead. (laughs) Hey, my name's Ellen. You can call me fucking idiot. Guys, we're recording late at night in case (laughs) you didn't know. (laughs) I know. It gets punchy. Joey, guess who's back? Who? Smalls. Okay, listen. I have had a change of heart. I know sometimes I don't always love my cats, but I've decided that cats are just honest. If they want to hang out with you, they want to hang out with you. They don't really like mince words or emotions, so I actually have come to respect them on a new level. Cats are a lot like people. So listen. (laughs) Well, it's true because they want what they want, and I'll tell you what my cats want. They want variety in their diet just like we do. 
do. And Smalls is so great because Smalls is basically human food for cats. There's no preservatives, so you don't get the stink, and it's delivered right to your door. Smalls cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients that you would find in your fridge. It was started with a couple of guys that were just cooking cat food at home, like for them and their friends. And then now they're serving millions of meals to cats around the world. And you can count our four cats as part of that. Also, Smalls is so confident that your cat will love their product. You can try it risk-free. That means they will refund you if your cat won't eat their food. This is one of the many reasons that we love Smalls and we're so thankful they sponsor this podcast. It's 2024. Are you still feeding your cat kibble? Head to smalls.com slash think and use promo code think at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That is the best offer you'll find, but you have to use our code think for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code think for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. I mean, good luck with your cats, but chances are they're going to love smalls either way. Yeah, they will. (laughs) So the fact that Georgia, Jeff's ex-wife, has ties to these men who both have a criminal record and were spotted in Jeffrey's neighborhood, that's not the look. It's just not. It's really bad. So Georgia's like, well, but to be honest, it can't be them because they left before the murder, like a few days ago. She goes, what day is it? He goes, Friday. She's like, yeah, they left Tuesday. Mm -hmm. I was like, convincing. That's really convincing. So they take her statement and they're pretty sure she's lying. And I was like, same. But they don't know what she's lying about. It just like nothing is adding up. Well, they especially think that she's lying when they find out that Cecil drives, wait for it, a gold Lincoln. People are so stupid. They're so incredibly stupid. And they were like, okay, well, Georgia's involved. This this is a weird rhombus kind of parallelogram. We've got to look into it. Law enforcement reached out to the cell phone company and started pinging his cell phone. Using Cecil's cell phone records, detectives are able to determine his whereabouts around the time of Jeff's murder. His phone was bouncing off the cell tower right by Walmart. Literally across the street on the morning of the murder. So he was 50 feet away from Jeffrey's home. Yeah. So now police are thinking, okay, well, we have our shooter. They get a warrant for his arrest, but they don't know where Cecil is. In the meantime, they're worried about him doing this again. Yeah. They're pinging his phone. They are tracking him on his phone. And they're like, he is armed and dangerous and maybe not altogether there. They follow his pings all the way to Iowa. But they were like, Georgia said he was in California. Now, they don't know if she's lying or he's lying to her. I think something smells funny. Yeah. And when something smells funny, you start sniffing butts. (laughs) I used to say that. I'd be like, who farted? I will sniff butts. Ew! (laughs) What? what? I'm gonna know. I'm gonna follow it. I'll follow follow the scent. I'll follow it like a fucking bloodhound. Like a fucking golden retriever. I'll find that fart. Your next boyfriend is a lucky man. (laughs) (laughs) How do you know I don't have a boyfriend now? Do you? Maybe. You don't got no boyfriend. I would know. How do you know that I don't have a boyfriend right now? Because you're broken. Well, you're not wrong. This, I mean, my love life, if it had a theme song, it would go like this. So they put out a bolo for Cecil's car, and they're tracking this guy. And it is a small town, and so everybody is working on this case. And they have cops waiting for him on, like, the path to wherever he's going. Well, they're he's staking Iowa. him out. Yeah. And they get him. They arrest him. This is within 36 hours 
of Jeffrey's murder. They were on it. And we see this guy's mugshot and he looks like he has been growing a fucking beard since the Clinton administration. He has not trimmed it, shaved it, cut it, whipped it snipped it. Nothing. He looks like he smells like an ashtray full of rotten broccoli. He looks like he has been harboring Jimmy Hoffa in that beard for many years. He looks like he hasn't taken a shower since the last leap year. He looks like if his nipples could talk, they would go, help. (laughs) He looks like he still breastfeeds his mother standing up. He looks like someone whose idea of a good crudite is his belly button lint cheese. (laughs) disgusting. He is so gross. I once ran into Cecil at a Walmart once. Really? Yeah, I was like, I'm bored. Let's go brush our teeth. (laughs) As soon as they hear that Cecil's in custody, Greeley detectives make the 12-hour drive to Dubuque. We know there's a gold mine of evidence, and we want to process that vehicle. Once the Greeley detectives finally reach Dubuque, the search doesn't disappoint. Cecil is sitting in a jail in Dubuque? Dubuque. I like Dubuque better. No, it's Dubuque. People in Iowa are going to send messages. I like it. It sounds like a dance. We know a guy who could really do the Dubuque. Shoot, shoot. Okay, let's workshop it. Shake it up, baby. Shake it up, baby. Dubuque. Do the bouquet. <laughs> Anyway, the Greeley police made the 12-hour drive to Dubuque to question Cecil. So then they process this car. You all, this car was basically murder kit 101. There were... Masks, maps, bullets, a receipt from Walmart from the murder aisle. Ammunition, hats, all of it. Everything. He could have just had a sign that said, like, murderer on board. Well, and also the same bullets they found at the scene of the crime were in his car with that receipt from Walmart. The idiot left everything in there. Everything. It was everything you don't do if you're going to kill someone. But he was zip-lipped. He was like, I'm not talking to you. Get me an attorney. The smartest thing he... That's the only smart thing he did. Um. Also, where the fuck is Justin Bruner? They have no idea where Justin Bruner is. So now they plaster the news. They are not fucking around in nope. Greeley. It is in the news, the newspapers. Everyone is talking about it. And Justin was like, oh shit. And he turned himself in. He sure did. He was like, I heard I'm in trouble and I'm going to sit down and answer all of your questions and I'll also tell you what my involvement is. Justin admits to doing surveillance with Cecil on Jeffrey Watson's house, that they'd been doing it for months, that there was a plan in place to shoot and kill Jeffrey Watson. The question is why? Why would Cecil want Jeffrey dead? Why would Justin want Jeffrey dead? Well, Cecil and Georgia Watson had been seeing each other, but Jeffrey had helped Cecil out. So why would Cecil want Jeffrey dead? I mean, Jeffrey and Georgia had been divorced. They didn't have kids together. They didn't have any kind of ties to each other. Well, like Jeff helped him get on his feet. Like, yeah. if anything, he should be grateful to him. Well, tale as old as fucking time. That was actually what Mrs. Potts originally uh-huh. said. She actually yes. said, tale as as old as fucking time. And Uh they're like, Angela, Angela's just tail as old as time. She's like, really, I think it sounds better with the fuck. As it can fucking be. No, Angela, that's not it. Insurance money. 
he stood to make $10,000. And that day, that down bitch writing down the plate number, why don't we get her name? We need to send her a card or an edible arrangement. Justin said, I saw that woman write down our plates. She clocked us. And Justin said, for that reason, I'm out. Yeah, he was not auditioning for Shark Tank anytime soon. No. He was was like, I'm, nope, nope, nope. I don't want to do this. Yeah, I mean, Georgia was going to get this insurance money, but told him, I will give you your cut, which is $10,000. You put a $10,000 price on someone's life. You can't even wipe your ass for $10,000 in 2024 because of this economy. Yeah. Like, how far was that $10,000 going to go for you? I mean, don't get me wrong. $10,000 is a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of things, to murder someone? For taking someone's life. I mean, there is no reason to do it, but I'm just saying, like, $10,000. I don't understand. I mean, you murdered that guy for, like, what'd you get, like, $250? (laughs) And Justin also was like, to be honest, I'm a petty criminal. Like, I've done, you know, I've done a little Robin. I've done a little this. He's never done violent crime. Like, Justin was really just kind of like a shady character. Cecil is crazy. Cecil is like a criminal criminal. Cecil has a violent history. And that's the other thing. Justin was like, I mean, you couldn't find me because I went into hiding. I had to tell the man. I Actually, they don't tell us if he did have a conversation with Cecil about like, I'm not doing this with you or if he just took off. But he says, I'm terrified of the man. Like, I knew that man would kill me. So I went into hiding. Though Justin is adamant that he wasn't there for the hit that left Jeff and the truck riddled with bullets, detectives still place him under arrest on conspiracy charges. It was clear that Justin knew what was going on, but it was also clear Justin went into hiding instead of going to police like he should have done. And they're like, okay, well, at least now we have a motive. This is an insurance hit. Yep. So this leads to the police getting a search warrant for his last address, which is Georgia Watson's home. And on her computer, they found searches for how to make an SKS rifle fully automatic. But you know what was the most disturbing piece of evidence they find? That there was a yellow pages on her desk and her desk was a fucking mess. I mean, all of it was a hot mess. Everything was a mess. Can I introduce you to a Swifter? (laughs) Ma'am? Also, the yellow pages? You have a computer right I didn't there. know that. I mean, that, that had to be old, right? They, they don't still make yellow pages, right? No, they don't make yellow pages. But this was in 2009. I think they still did. Remember but honest- when they listed people's full names, addresses, and phone numbers in a book? Well, now it's just on your computer. You can't find. I mean, I hope. I mean, Yes, you can. You If anyone wants to find you bad enough, you can be found. I can Google you right now and find your address. Oh, God, don't tell me that. I thought I had all mine removed. No, the actual most disturbing piece of evidence they found was an insurance policy on Jeffrey Watson for $100,000. And you know who the primary beneficiary is? Georgia. That's right, Ray Charles. It is Georgia. So things ain't looking so great for Georgia Watson. Right. But my first thought watching it, I was like, wait, they're divorced. How is the insurance policy still in place? So they call the insurance company and they're like, is this still in place? And they said yes. And they found out it was part of their divorce settlement. And then they were like, also, that's so weird that you called about this policy because two weeks ago, that woman, Georgia, called inquiring about the policy. That's that's so weird. Anyway, have you thought about life insurance? And they're like, w- I gotta go. Yeah. Like, she called this insurance company two weeks before Jeffrey's murder to make sure that it was still active. Detectives believe that Georgia had prior knowledge of the murder plot. But in order to press charges, they'll need further proof. And detectives think they know exactly where to find it. 
every phone call from the jail is recorded. And this includes phone calls between Cecil Herb and Georgia Watson. One call is Cecil saying, hey, I love you. Come bail me out so we can boink a while before I go to the slammer. And Cecil's saying, like, I'll beat this thing. I may get five years, but then I'll be back on your couch. You're going to wait for me? And and Georgia's like, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, she's like, really? I'm not. And one of those recorded calls... Georgia is saying, like, I need that money to pay off my house. And Cecil's like, don't say too much. You know, this is recorded. But, like, she's an idiot. Yeah, they're both idiots. She also is incessantly calling the insurance company now. This woman wants her money. She wanted to know when she was going to get that $100,000. Yeah. So the police were like, hey, Georgia girl, could you swing by downtown over here and sit with us again? So she does. And this time, she is not here for it. She is argumentative. Honorary combative, ornery, and she's like, I don't know. Cecil's crazy. He told me he was going to be in California. I, I, I don't know anything. I'm just telling you what he told me. And they are like, okay, cool. In their minds, they're thinking, you are absolutely the orchestrator of this, but we don't have the proof. So we have to find the proof. That is our goal. Hey, DBs, we wanted to tell you about a new podcast we think you're going to love. The Fall Line is a deep dive true crime podcast focused on cold cases that could be resolved if the public knew about them. So on Fall Line, you'll hear about missing people whose families have been searching for decades. Unsolved murders where the leads ran cold in weeks. John Doe cases from across the country in desperate need of media attention. And unsolved serial homicides like the Atlanta Lovers Lane murders that never made the national news. The Fall Line digs deep, interviewing the families, law enforcement, and experts closest to the crimes to bring you cases you've never heard of and explore what can be done today to solve them. The next season of Fall Line begins February 2024. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. We hope you love it. They started asking Georgia's friends about her and Jeff's situation, and they were all like, oh, yeah, Georgia's wanted to kill him for years. Yeah, they were like, Georgia loves to talk. She talks about beauty hacks and Real Housewife franchises and sports. She loved sports. Also, how much she hated her husband, wanted him dead. He had all that. Yeah, you know, she talks a lot. Yeah, and she also talks about that insurance policy. Did you guys know there's an... Oh, you did know. Yeah, she calls a lot. Yeah. She's got the number memorized Yeah, practically memorized, but also bring up sports. She can talk about that for forever. And at this point, it was decided it's time Georgia goes to jail. We need to prepare an arrest warrant for Georgia. We need to present this to a judge and see what he thinks. People saying they want to kill someone is very different than them actually doing it. But on December 8th, nine months after Jeffrey's murder, police arrest Georgia for conspiracy to commit first-degree murder. And all of Georgia's friends don't believe it. Oh my gosh, everyone is like, not our beloved Georgia. No, it's Cecil. Cecil. No, he has tainted her. No, she's so sweet. Did you know she takes in people? You know she helps the less fortunate? And they're like, babes, no, she's fucking crazy. Yeah, which she is a murderous bitch. Yeah. So now police make a deal with Justin Bruner in exchange for his testimony in both Cecil and George's trials. And he ends up getting five years for conspiracy. And that was the deal. Yeah. I think that's pretty 
harsh. Yeah. Actually, like in exchange for his testimony, this guy didn't do anything. Like he staked out the house. Well, I mean, he had the intention. The only reason he backed out was because the neighbor's daughter wrote down the license plate number. Right. I understand the conspiracy charge, but five years was the plea exchange? I mean, to I'm n- not saying he doesn't like deserve it. I'm yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. I, I, there, are, there are people serving one year sentences for sexual assault. Yeah, I'm just saying, uh, listen, and that's fucked up. But what I'm saying is he got caught. The only reason he backed out was because he got caught. That's what he said. But he still didn't do it. But he had the intention of it. I have the intention of doing a lot of things that I don't do. I zip my lips. If I were set free, I would be in a lot of trouble. It's true. Cecil Erb goes to court first in April of 2010. The one part about this case that still blows my mind to this day is Cecil getting up on the stand and saying this was self-defense. He concocts this story about Jeffrey Watson coming to his house that night. He says he heard a shot at him and George's house while they're in bed, that he drives over and confronts Jeff Watson. Because you you shoot someone 29 times when you're trying to defend yourself. Yeah, and the defense attorneys were like, yeah, yeah, that's not what happened. Let me tell you what actually happened. Jeffrey got up to go to work that morning, the same as he did every day. He got in his truck, barely turned the ignition when Cecil opened fire. And when it was over, Cecil left him for dead. So on April 23rd, 2010, the jury found Cecil guilty of first degree murder and he was given life without parole. So much for that five years he thought he was going to (laughs) get. Yeah, you still going to wait for me, baby? Well, George's trial was in March of 2011 and the prosecution was basically like, she was the puppet master. And the defense was like, no, she had no idea. And they're like, really? Like, roll tape. Here are the calls from prison like this one. You were supposed to have gotten rid of that gun. And they were like, yeah, that's a funny story. You're guilty. Yeah. And she gets 24 years. All of that, I say this all the time, I cannot put myself in the mind of a murderer. I I just can't. I don't understand how you can justify killing someone for $100,000. Cecil was doing it for $10,000. That is wild. Yeah, it is absolutely wild. Was was she charged with conspiracy? Yeah, she was charged with conspiracy and the maximum sentence you can get is 24 years. They showed no mercy on that. Nor should they have. Fuck face. This wasn't in the episode, but one of the defenses that they used was that she was over medicated by her doctor for like pain and muscle pain and stuff. And they were like, she doesn't know what she's... No, he did it all by himself. She was over-medicated at the time. They were like, okay. All right. Yeah. But that poor family, poor JR. Yeah. You know, he was with his dad. It was just the two of them for most of his life. And then being accused of being his killer. I'm glad he has Nathaniel, though. I'm glad he's got a down bitch around him. And I wish we knew the name of the down bitch who wrote the license plate. They would not have solved this case without her. I know. It's wild. I mean, they robbed that young man of a father. Yeah. It's awful. Say something funny. I don't know what to say after a case like this. I just think we should sing our feelings. You want to? Won't you take me to Boogie Town? 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 Do you know what the 
the rest of the lyrics to that song are? What? Won't you take me to a funky town? Uh-huh. Won't you take me to a funky town? Won't you take me to a funky... Those are all the lyrics! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, thank you so much for joining us, Down Bitches. That poor man. That poor man, poor Snap, and rotten hell, all of you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us here on I Think Not. Be sure and follow us on social media, I Think Not Pod, on all platforms, and... Next episode, we have a very special episode. And after that, we will have our video camera back in the studio. So we will get lots of videos out to you on social media. We are back in it. 2024, you're going to see probably too much of us. It's true. And also, if you want to join our Facebook group, we've got a lot going on over there. We love to chat about all kinds of things in life. It's called the I Think Not Podcast Facebook Discussion Group. I did it. I did it. And if you're feeling fancy, leave us a five-star iTunes review. We would love it. Just a five-star and a couple sentences about why you like us. It really helps us with the algorithm. And you can also catch me on Rabia and Ellen Solve the Case on Thursdays. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts and you can join me on Grab Bag Collab with Daisy Egan or Shut the Fuck Up Nick Lachey. And they have all kinds of treats there for you waiting. They are on a Patreon. They give you all ad-free content. They are amazing. Please check them out and check out our Patreon too. There's like a billion episodes for you to download but until then we love you so much we do love you and I love you yelling I love you Joey love you all love you bye bye where is the boogie down